It's the Jim Eskimen Podcast, and today I find myself in St. Paul, Minnesota, actually the, uh, the place where Garrison Keillor broadcasts out of the, I uh, can't remember the name of the theater right now, but it's just down the street. You can almost hit it if you threw a baked potato out the window here at the Hotel of the Doubletree. You could hit the theater where Garrison Keillor does Prairie Home Companion. I've just been talking to uh, a bunch of people in IT and government as I go around the country giving this uh, keynote address about finding your voice and making a good impression. And, uh, boy, it's so interesting to to talk to these people and to see that they all have uh, very, very similar responses in some ways to some of these ideas that I'm putting out about presentation and expression and so forth. For example, I'm yet to find an audience that doesn't mostly dislike the sound of their own voice. Although today, when I asked who loves your own voice, uh, you know, a couple of people raised their hands, maybe three, which is a, a record. And then when I said, well, how many people here are at peace with their own voice? And most of the room raised their hand. I think they were just being polite. I think they thought those were the two choices and they didn't know about the third choice, which was who hates the sound of their own voice. And then a few people were honest and raised their hand. But um, again, that message uh, seems to have some value to people that um, if you get used to your voice and use observation and uh, sort of step outside of your head, literally, and record your voice and listen to it, uh, then you, you begin to realize that it's not an awful thing and that you're not uh, you know, brandishing a weapon every time you use your voice or doing something that other people hate or that, are, that you're going to get criticized for. We know how tender people are about criticism. My gosh, we're all really super tender about it because we've been invalidated and, and uh, criticized very, very harshly in our, uh, in our time. And uh, I tell you what, it leaves a heck of a scar, a heck of a wound that people forget about. And then they, they, comp- they compound it by repeating the offense to other people. And that, I think, is what really nails it down. As soon as you've like given back that awful criticism to someone else that you originally got from your fifth grade teacher or whatever, uh, then then you've really nailed yourself because then you've got it now going on a couple of different flows in your in your life, and it starts to cut a real divot in your spirit. The real divot in the spirit. That's a golf. It's uh, a bit of golf metaphor as applied to the spirit. And, and you know, golf is a very spiritual game. It's a very the ancient Chinese used to play golf out there in the Mongol steppes and. Uh, they didn't originate golf, but they played a version of golf, we understand, from looking at some of their silk paintings. In fact, the Chinese character for golf is is the figure of a little man tearing his hair out with both hands. Anyway, I'm really enjoying being here in St. Paul and traveling again, going right back to L.A. and uh, resuming my life. But, uh, you know, this is a marvelous place, Minnesota. This is where my mom came from. Marion Ross was born. My mom was sorry about the grinding in the background. I know they're they're fixing the elevators here just in time too because I'm going to have to go down from the ninth floor down to the lobby any second now. But my mom grew up in Albert Lee, Minnesota, small town, kind of like Lake Wobegon, I imagine. And I've been there a couple times. I've been there in the dead of winter, and I've been there in the summer. And the summer is definitely more manageable. I was there one New Year's Eve, uh, gosh, 25, 30 years ago, probably 30. And uh, it was the first time I had the, the recognition that, oh, if you live here and you get locked out of your house at this time of year, you could die. You could, that would be it. Get locked out of your house. Luckily, people are nice. They're neighbors. They let you in. They build you fire. Say, hey, would you like some cocoa? You want to listen to a story? 
so you wouldn't have to just necessarily freeze and snap in half. But uh, So mom grew up out here in Albert Lee, Minnesota, and, you know, they got a lot of lakes, and she spent a lot of time in the summer as a lifeguard and, and just as a swimming kid. And I think swimming was a really big part of her life. When I was growing up, I remember today that uh, we used to go up, walk up the street to the neighbor's house to go to the pool in the summertime in the valley when it was 100 degrees and super smoggy. And uh, we didn't have a pool ourselves ever uh, until long, long after Happy Days was a hit. And I'd moved out of the house, frankly. And uh, so we would go up the street, you know, and the road would be hot. You know, I can remember the feel of gravel on our bare feet. I didn't wear flip-flops. We just kind of, it was only a couple of houses up the street to the Adams's house. And we'd go and swim in their pool, which was always nice and cool. Kidney-shaped pool, I think. Maybe maybe pancreas. I don't know. I'm not too good on my internal organs. But mom would come sometimes to take a dip. Uh, we would mostly dominate the pool and play Marco Polo and other games, but mom would sometimes come and, and take a dip, and she would leap into the pool and swim a few laps, really just a few laps to cool down and then give the pool over to the little ones. And she would immediately go into a massive, very professional breaststroke and you know traverse the entire pool in about one stroke. And then back and forth, maybe a couple times, until... You know, and then she'd get out of the pool, and there would be a wake. The, there would be a chop on the pool at that point that you had to wait a certain amount of time for it to die down so that it was safe to go in the water again if you were a little kid because she would churn that water and then blithely get out, towel herself off, and go about her business. And that would, that would be the moment when I would look at my mom and go, oh, yes, a Minnesota girl. Look at that. There's the evidence right there. Uh, Mom's doing great, by the way. She's out uh, this week. She's in Alaska on a cruise. So that's cool. She's been on many cruises. This I don't think she's been to Alaska before. And I'm in Minnesota and, and uh, returning home by, probably by the time you hear this. And uh, just love traveling around this country and meeting people and seeing, seeing the world. And, uh, you know, it's not all police shootings uh, by a long shot. Maybe that's not the right phrase. But uh, by by a fur by a fur piece, that's an that's an appropriate uh, term for Minnesota, where fur pieces used to be, used to be the things that they would trade up there on Sir Francis Drake uh, Bay, which is actually quite far away from St. Paul. But uh, can you tell I'm trying to get through this podcast kind of quickly? I have to get out of the room uh, pretty soon. But I wanted to use this um, hotel room as a recording studio. I always mock up whatever hotel room I'm in as a little recording studio to handle my auditions and podcasts and things. And I've gotten quite ingenious at using the available cushions and furniture to create a a pretty good-sounding sound studio uh, on a temporary basis, except if they're repairing the elevator, which sounds like they might be almost done. Anyway, going back to Los Angeles, a lot of exciting irons in the fire, now, I guess we'll hear about Impress Me any day now and uh, see if we get a season two. I don't know what to say about that. It seems uh, it would be really lovely to have a season two, but it seems somehow like a, a far-off dream. I don't know. If you uh, are interested in a season two, please write to them at press at poptv.com. Press at poptv.com. Let them know you love the show and you love to see season two. Uh, if you don't have an opinion about it or you just want to See what happens. Uh, well, just sit back and relax. I'll let you know one of these days. I know Ben Shelton, Ross Marquand, and the rest would love to uh, perform for you. So we'll try to do some more. 
always working on new impressions uh, and mentoring people. I'm mentoring uh, young people who like doing impressions who send me their videos, and uh, that's a lot of fun for me. I, you know, I just like to be a, I just like to be a, the kind of grown-up who is the kind of grown-up that, that had a big impact on me when I was a kid, a grown-up that would treat kids like people, you know, and talk to them not like, uh, not like a teacher, not like a, not like a parent exactly either, but, but just like uh, a person, you know, because my belief is and my experience was that uh, young people are not some other spe- specimen. They're not some other species. They are, uh, you know, people that have not attained full growth, but they are just as viable as as individuals, as any grown-up person. So I always try to, even if it's a, you know, three- or four-year-old, I, I try to talk to them. I, don't, I try not to talk down to them. Because I remember I had a, my godmother, whose name was Virginia Murphy. Um, she was a marvelous influence on me uh, in that she would treat me like a, like a person in, uh, from the earliest age. And she would also, when I went over to her house, uh, when my parents would go over to visit her and her husband, Bill, and where I think quite a bit of drinking was done, uh, mainly, which I didn't really, I didn't really understand until years later. But uh, when we would go over there, she would always provide me and my sister with uh, things to draw and things to do while the grown-ups went off and, you know, had their Rob Roy's or whatever. And uh, I, man, I would draw up a storm. And then when I would show, she would say, well, show me what you've drawn. And then she would treat me like a person and say, oh, this is marvelous. This is terrific. Look at that. Look what you've done. That's great. She had also on her wall something that captivated me, which was uh, only to grow in significance, which was a piece of artwork that I can see in my mind's eye forevermore, which was done by the famous cartoonist George Harriman, uh, the creator of Crazy Cat, maybe a long-forgotten cartoon uh, panel. Um, Actually, it was a cartoon strip that was in the newspapers. Um, Real aficionados of cartooning will know George Harriman, will know Crazy Cat. Uh, it was very, very popular, very unusual, very groundbreaking um, kind of strip that really kind of you, – you wouldn't have Bill Watterson and uh, Calvin and Hobbes, I don't think, uh, so swiftly if it wasn't for George Harriman breaking some of that ground. But she, they had an original drawing, color drawing by George Harriman of uh, Virginia's husband, Bill Murphy. I don't know how he knew him, but they must have known each other back in the old days – and uh, Harriman had drawn a picture of Bill, who, uh, to my recollection, was a sound editor, but he must have done some writing, too, because uh, Bill is depicted with an enormous Adam's apple in this drawing, sitting at, a, sitting at a, a desk. He's sitting on something that's not a chair. He's sitting on like a, I don't know, it's like a waste paper basket or something, and he's typing, and the, the paper is coming out of the typewriter and going in an endless cascade down into another uh, trash can. And uh, there's so much movement and esprit and, and, you know, wonderful, quick, sketchy life to this drawing that I never forgot it. And it was up there framed in their house. And later on, I found out who George Harriman was and, and studied Crazy Cat. And I was really, really super impressed. And years later, after Bill died, his daughter Robin sent me a color Xerox of that um, that picture, I want to call it a painting because it was it had paint on it and it had the wonderful India ink that was so liberally used by Harriman. And, uh, you know, it's a very influential drawing. It was one of those drawings that I tried to emulate for the rest of my life. I think, you know, still at times 
when I'm drawing, I try to capture some of the some of the life and esprit and playfulness and I don't know calligraphic kind of expression of of that drawing. So there you go. There's some memories of uh, Virginia Murphy and uh, and what I try to do as a grown up. So any as I'm saying, I'm mentoring people because I'd like to create that kind of effect on young people. I'd like to have people remember me and my advice and my my friendship with them really, and and perhaps inspire them to. Um, to you know, take up whatever they want to do in the field of the arts and really kind of roll with their unique ideas because that unique viewpoint, as I'm talking about to these IT, IT people, their unique view of the world, they're just as unique as an artist, uh, you know, is useful in their field. And in the arts, of course, it's a delight for all of us. So uh, if you know any young people that are interested in doing impressions or studying acting, my first recommendation is to come to L.A. and go to the Acting Center, which is my... My wife's school, the Acting Center, which is now uh, uh, located in a very nice place in Sherman Oaks. And the Acting Center uh, website is www.theactingcenterla.com. And my other advice is to, in the, on the short term, is to watch my how-to videos on how to do impressions. And that's on my YouTube channel. Just look up Jim Meskimen, look for my YouTube channel, and look for the how-to list. And I've got about, I don't know, a dozen or so, maybe 15 little lessons, things that I have gleaned, and I'm going to continue to do that. Well, it sounds like they're trying to break in to, to uh, maybe do a little housekeeping on this room, and they'll have to take down my little studio that I've built here. Maybe I'll take it down for them. And moving along to the next one, my the next city that I'll be doing my um, Digital Government Summit keynote address in for eRepublic is uh, Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles. So I will be able to sleep in, not go to the airport, and... Uh, but in September, I'm going to Albany and going to a lot of other cities. So it's going to be jam-packed in September, and I will let you know. Anyway, uh, so again, write in press at poptv.com to let them know about Season 2, if you're interested in a Season 2. That elevator's going to be really humming pretty soon. That's going to be, they're going to have the free fall uh, button that you can just, you can hit the ground running here in St. Paul. So that's... Uh, Press at poptv.com if you're interested in season two. And uh, I will, <laughs> thanks to Jeff Levin for the music that hopefully will drown out some of this grinding. And uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, stay cool. If you're in LA, pray for rain. <laughs>